You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name is Ken Swanson. This is the AP Laboratory coming at you after a big victory to start the season for the Kansas City Chiefs, 40-26, to beating the Jacksonville Jaguars on the road. We got a lot to analyze about that game and look ahead. And here to help me talk about this game and the future are my two pals. Find them on Twitter first at Chief in Carolina, Matthew Lane. How are you, my friend? I'm coming over to this podcast with the same kind of energy that Miles Jack left the game (laughs) yesterday on. So you guys have to hold me back or I'm just going to keep talking this entire podcast. Oh, wait, that's nothing new. Uh, just typical Jacksonville defender over here. We're also joined by our dear friend, Craig Stout. Find him on Twitter, at Barley Hop. He enjoys beer. He should enjoy more whiskey. How are you doing tonight, Craig? I, I enjoy whiskey just as much as I enjoy beer. I, we, don't, we don't have to limit this. It's fine. There's enough for everybody. We get to talk about real football today, guys. This is great. We don't have to pose a bunch of hypotheticals anymore. We actually had a game plan to work off of at least something of one, and we get to talk about it this week, right, Kent? Yeah, I'm excited. There really wasn't very many uh, Patrick Mahomes injury concern questions, which I think is great. It's 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 allowing me to get my mind off of it a little bit. I was a little bit concerned after watching that. Uh, I hope I hope everything's clear for him. I almost wonder if they give him a, a day off to rest. We'll see. Let's let's see how long or how big the severity of it is. But um, let's 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 go ahead and just jump into these questions. Let's start with the Gmail account apnerdsquad at gmail.com. Derek Jansen asks, "I've been hearing for the fa- past few podcasts that our secondary is in a lot of trouble, but we'll be okay with our upfront pressure." What makes Craig so excited about this, especially after only one sack last week? I just added that piece. Also, yeah. also, Craig would be played by a bald Conan O'Brien in the AP Nerd Squad movie. That's amazing. Anyways, Craig, please answer the question, Conan. First of all, I am not responding to Conan. Second of all, uh, the other part of this email that we kind of got was that Bob Sutton's defense last year was good at getting after the passer, and the secondary wasn't very good. I think what a lot of this is is that I am encouraged by a zone scheme. I get that Charvarius Ward has not looked good in a zone scheme so far, but a zone scheme with a good four-man rush should be enough to kind of defeat a lot of these teams that they're going to come up against. It was good enough against the Jaguars this week, even though they only had one sack. There was plenty of pressure. Uh, Frank Clark forced three holds, you know, on himself. So, I mean, that's there were more impacts in the game than just sacks. It would have been nice to see maybe a little bit more pressure from that front four. I wish that we would have seen more pressure from the front four. But I do think that they're good enough 
at getting after the quarterback as well as stopping the run. They're kind of a nice blend of guys, and I think that they'll be able to help out the secondary more than maybe the scheme did last year. I think the Jaguars did a really good job of keeping in extra blockers and then just relying on their receivers to beat the Chiefs' defensive backs in coverage, and that seemed to work most of the game. I don't think there was hardly any snaps where a tight end or a running back didn't stay in the block or at least throw in a pretty hefty chip on a rusher before just kind of leaking out to the flat. So it was still very much a forefront thought for the Jacksonville Jaguars' mind to not let their quarterback get pressured, and then they were just kind of relying on their receivers to beat some subpar secondary play at times down the field, across the field, whatever it may be. I don't think every team's going to have that strategy. You really can't keep up with the Chiefs' offense if you're doing that. As you saw, every now and then your offense will stall out if you're playing that way. There will be some negative plays, some penalties, little things like that. You can't rely on Max Protect to stop the Chiefs' pass rush at all times. You will have to stray away from it. I think you just kind of give a little bit more patience and see what other teams do before we're ready to ride off the pass rush this year. All right, let's jump into some five-star review questions that we got this week. We'll start with Zach Tuttle, and he asks a uh, very on-point question. Is it worth putting Tyreek Hill on the injured reserve, bringing him back after week eight and calling Cody Thompson up? Also, how will Hardman do uh, now that he will be getting significantly more reps at the third wide receiver? And it should be important to note that Tyreek probably he won't be if he goes on IR he won't be back until week ten he's got to he's got to play or have eight weeks on there so it would be week ten he would miss Denver Green Bay and Minnesota that's a big run right there right before uh, right before he would be coming off injured reserve so anyways Maddie what are your thoughts on that well, I think they've already reported that Tyreek Hill is not going to be put on IR or at least that is not the plan as of right now. So, and I agree with that. I think putting Hill in IR would probably be a little bit overkill from what it sounds like the severity of the injury is, although you're always concerned about an injury that can affect his health outside of football. It sounds like he'll be okay. I'm guessing right now, it seems like the guess is about four weeks, so about a month if they're being pretty conservative. I'm okay with that. You're just going to let these guys go. I don't think you risk putting him on IR, having him out for over half the season when you might be fighting with the Chargers to win the division. That brings us to McCall Hardman. I think he had a lot of snaps this last week and he didn't do a lot with them. I think your biggest snap jump is either going to be DeAnthony Thomas Thomas, or it's going to be Byron Pringle, whoever they trust more as a wide receiver this upcoming week. I do hope we start to see more from Hardman going forward, but he was kind of put in the worst possible position. The last month plus have been the Chiefs working in Tyreek Hill as the starter. McCall Hardman has now moved to the third, fourth wide receiver being utilized in special packages they weren't relying on him as a starter in practice they weren't planning on it he now gets thrust into that against a very good secondary in the first week and he doesn't do much with it his usage is pretty limited he's running vertical routes not doing a whole lot we were a little worried about that but given a week of preparing for him to be almost a starter you hope to see a little bit more from him because NFL rookie wide receivers this first week lit it up there was multiple guys going over 100 yards McCall Hardman had his one target, didn't do much with it. You just hope to see more moving forward with the preparation going into it. For sure. Uh, I think if Tyreek Hill's on the roster, if it's not, if he's not on IR, they're just not going to make another move and they're going to lean on this group of guys a little more. 
Byron Pringle really didn't see a whole lot. I don't know that he really even – I don't recall him seeing an offensive snap, but somebody could correct me there. Uh, he saw three guy. offensive snaps that was late. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, McCole Hardman was thrust into the exact Tyreek Hill role in the offense. They didn't like try and tailor it at the half or anything like that to try and get Demarcus Robinson as the two. They forced – Tyreek Hill into that same role there. It will be very interesting to see what they kind of come up with this week, knowing that they won't have Tyreek Hill on the field. Yeah, McCole Hardman actually outsnapped Travis Kelsey, Damian Williams, and Demarcus Robinson in this game. So he was put in a situation to play very early. You saw him trying to execute some of the things that they try to get out of Tyreek Hill. He tried to run an orbit motion. It did not look like Tyreek Hill running an orbit motion. I think that's kind of some of the things you see, the difference between a guy like Tyreek Hill and how unique of a, of a talent he is with some of the movement skills where – you know, he's got really good hip flexibility. He can change directions with such ease. And, you know, with, with McColl, he's got kind of that long speed. So he got thrust into a position where he had to kind of play pretty quick, and you didn't see much out of it. I expect them to tailor things a little bit more to help him out. I think he'll get a catch this week. I think he'll have positive yeah. yards. So mm -hmm. I think that's a start there, and we'll see what he's able to do with the opportunity now that Tyreek Hill is out. And it honestly, it could ultimately wind up helping him a little bit, frankly. Uh, you know, just because, I mean, this is an opportunity for him to get some run. Uh, Crossbreakit07 gave a five-star review and asked this question. If the Cowboys get off to a shaky start, do you think it's possible the Chiefs could swoop in and trade for Byron Jones at the deadline? I don't know. I mean, I that is that very logically seems like a place that could have you know they could go. I think the Cowboys might be okay, but I think you have the the right line of thinking. I think you have the logic to this. Try to find a situation where a team might be up against the cap next year. Actually, you know the team that they just played, the the Jacksonville Jaguars. Maybe they're willing to unload AJ Bouye here in six weeks if the season doesn't go as planned in the first half of the year because. The, the Jacksonville Jaguars have some significant cap issues uh, in 2020. I don't think that the Cowboys, they look with Kellen Moore, their offense is going to be good enough. I think they're going to be competing this year. So I don't think they can afford Byron Jones next year, seeming the contracts they're giving out. But I don't think it makes sense for them to go ahead and trade him unless they do fall apart. If they fall apart, then sure. But they looked pretty good yesterday. I think they'll be okay. But, yeah, like Ken said, you've got the light, right line of thinking. You're A.J. Bouye, Patrick Peterson, Xavier Howard or Minka Fitzpatrick, Darius Slay. These are all guys that we've talked about in our private DM chats over the last kind of day on teams that might struggle, that have guys that are up for big contracts soon that might not want to stick on the team that they're on and that might be rebuilding. So there's guys out there that you can target for the trade deadline, and I definitely think the Chiefs should be watching them very closely and hope they can swoop one of them up if the cornerback play doesn't take a stark turn. Yeah, I, do, I don't think the Cowboys are, are going to have any trouble this year. I think they're going to be a contender late into the year. Contenders don't trade really good cornerbacks off of their roster. So, no, I don't think Byron Jones is there. And, guys, I don't know what you're talking about. I wouldn't give more than, like, a, a fourth-round draft pick for A.J. Boye right now. Do you see how bad Sammy Watkins made him look? It, we should definitely offer a fourth-round draft pick right now. And that's hope, true. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I think that's about fair 
for AJ Boye. If you all aren't picking up on my sarcasm, AJ Boye is much better than that. Sammy Watkins was just phenomenal this weekend. So yeah, I think you should have leaned into the bit a little bit more. I was, I was, I was kind of enjoying that. Yeah. I hey, AJ Boye sucks. Okay. <laughs> Let's jump to the Twitter questions. Our guy, Mr. C. David, asks, if Tyreek Hill is still out for the home opener against Baltimore, do the Chiefs win that game, Maddie? It becomes a little bit more difficult, that's for sure. But if Sammy Watkins plays like he did this past week versus the Jags, if he plays that well again, I'm not sure that the Chiefs need Tyreek Hill to beat anybody in the NFL. It obviously makes Ooh. it easier you will need bigger performances from the defense, from running backs, from other players. But Sammy Watkins played like a true number one wide receiver. He was beating top flight cornerbacks on any kind of route. He was looking good. You still have the speed of McCall Hardman, of Byron Pringle to stretch the field vertically. It's not like you're going to be hurt. You're not going to be missing that element with the speed on the roster. You just will have a vastly inferior player out there. So you can do the same stuff if Watkins is playing that good. But Tyree Kill makes it so much easier. It, it definitely becomes a difficult game. Like it, it was a difficult game before, especially with the way Lamar Jackson played this week and the speed that Hollywood Brown put on the field. But I do think that it makes it a significantly more difficult game. They can roll coverage a little more towards Sammy Watkins. But I, I do think that the Chiefs are going to be up for that game in a big, big way. They were up for this opening game against the Jaguars, a very good defense. I think Mahomes wants to get out there and beat up on the Baltimore Ravens as well and prove that these good defenses in the NFL, that this offense can still steamroll over them. So I do think that they win that game, but I think it's a tight one. Uh, Jimmy Smith will likely be out for that game, apparently. Uh, I think there's another cornerback injury that they're going to be dealing with. And, uh, you know, it's the home opener. There's a lot of little things in there that make me feel good about the Chiefs' chances, even if Tyreek Hill doesn't play. And it sounds like Tyreek Hill probably won't be. Chief in Tennessee, I believe that is. uh, Jeff Chief NTN, he asks, the overall opinion on the defense from game one. I saw something yesterday. They made tackles and swarmed the ball carrier. Vanilla, you guys. I, I've had an opportunity now to rewatch the game and see the All-22. It was pretty vanilla. Steve Spagnolo definitely kept his cards close to the chest this week. He tried to get it done with a four-man rush for the majority of the game, which is fine based on the offensive line that they were playing and the game overall game plan from the Jaguars there. I, I do think that the back end was let down by some poor execution, but overall, I was pretty pleased. I, I want to see more. It, it was pleased with the understanding that this is the most vanilla that we're going to see all year long. I think we'll slowly start to roll some stuff in. Steve Spagnuolo has talked about how he wants guys to play fast. He doesn't want them to have to be thinking about all of the play calls that could possibly be on the field. He wants it simple. He wants guys to play fast. And they definitely were playing fast this week. So I think that they're going to continue to build off of this, use this as the foundation, and we'll just start to see little bits more and more as the season goes along. The tackling, the toughness, the grittiest was all much improved. 
There was guys flying around. There was guys hitting people. You weren't getting free yards against this team. So all that looked good. All the stuff that's kind of hard to quantify was looking really good. The coverage concerns me quite a bit. I don't think you've got to see safeties really put in positions to make plays on the ball because the corners were losing so badly in areas where they were by themselves. You didn't get much out of the pass rush because there was extra blockers in. There was just some stuff that was holding back the defense that are cause for concern for sure, but you like the intangibles. Like I said, the speed, the grittiness, all that stuff was looking up. You like that. You hope you can improve on that as you keep going. And I thought I saw some good individual performances that gave me some uh, promise or gave me some hope too. You know, I saw Juan Thornhill. I thought Juan Thornhill did some really, really good things this week. Liked Anthony Hitchens. What I saw from him looks so much better. Derek Noddy was really solid in the middle. They've got depth along the defensive line. Uh, Charverius Ward's a big problem, and the problem could be solved in three weeks. So, and I, also, I thought Bashad Breeland looked pretty good, if I'm going to be honest. I'm, I'm kind of excited about what they were able to get out of him and what kind of value they were able to get out of him, only paying $2 million uh, on his year on his contract this year. Barry Gregory asks, and Craig, I'm going to have you answer this because I know that you are charting this defense. When is the defense going to start blitzing? Um, this week. They, they blitzed, guys. They, <laughs> they actually blitzed 15.8% of the snaps. Just, just for reference, Bob Sutton's blitz percentage for the entirety of last year was 15.9%. And this was crazy, crazy vanilla four-man rush heavy. It, this was not a Steve Spagnuolo blitz heavy thing, and he was still equivalent to Bob Sutton, who had to get out the blitz at the end of the year, his sort of tendency. So the blitzes are coming. They will get more exotic. There were some fun ones this week. We're going to highlight some of them, but that that's it, it. They're coming. AJ Coleman asks, did Jacksonville play calling play a bigger role in Gardner Minshew's success against the defense, or was it the lack of pass rush, bad secondary play, or all of the above, Craig? It's kind of all of the above. Like Matt alluded to, they chipped Frank Clark a lot, sometimes triple-teaming him. Uh, the secondary play, as we discussed, was not good. Charvarius Ward gave up 15.11 yards per target, and he was targeted seven times. He was targeted the most out of any defender and gave up big, big numbers. Yikes. I, yeah, really, really bad. Gardner Minshew, when he came into the game, threw the ball three-tenths of a second faster than Nick Foles did at the beginning of the game. Foles was doing much longer drops, and the Chiefs were actually getting to him a little more. They are rattling him a little more. Minshew came in the game, and it was check down City, and the Chiefs were protecting a, a two-score lead, so they just kind of played a little soft there. I think it's a combination of everything. Yeah, I think what you really saw was Gardner Minshew was the moment was not too big for him. He came in, he made good plays. He looked like he belonged on an NFL field. He doesn't have the strongest arm. He's not the biggest guy. You can go down the list, but he looked like he belonged out there. He owned the quarterback role. He made some tough throws against good coverage. He made tough throws in the face of some pressure. He looked like a competent quarterback. Beyond that, though, like Craig was saying, 
the Jaguars really just dared our secondary, especially the cornerbacks, to defend their wide receivers, and they didn't do a great job of it. They definitely allowed way too many completions to Gardner Minshew early on without filling in with sacks to have him go, what was it, ended up being like 10 for 10, 11 for 11 off the rip. You can't allow that. That's too many easy completions for a rookie. Some were checkdowns, some were deeper throws. So you're concerned. If you're a Chiefs fan, you're concerned by the play of the cornerback and ever cross the back end. But you just hope that they were planning for Nick Foles. Nick Foles is definitely not a guy that operates on a quick West Coast timing kind of system that's much closer to Gardner Minshew's bread and butter. You just hope that it was something that just threw him off a little bit. You hope to see a better play next week. And you, as you get a bigger sample size, you get a better feel for what they're going to be able to do. And just remember, I mean, the Chiefs had given up 13 points with 50 minutes, you know, or with 10 minutes left in the game. So they got some garbage time work in Jacksonville from Gardner Minshew. I like Gardner Minshew, though. He was QB6 in the KC draft guide. I think we put a fifth-round grade on him. He wound up going in the sixth. So we liked him. Uh, I kind of compare him to Case Keenum a little bit. Uh, and, you know, he's got a little bit of creativity to him. He's willing to make some plays and take some risks. And uh, I liked I liked what he did uh, overall against the Chiefs defense. I'm not too stressed about it. Keep getting better. Keep building. Keep growing on this thing. To Craig's point, this was a little bit vanilla. We'll be back with more questions after this. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, time to answer some more questions from Twitter. We'll start with our guy, Rise of Mahomes. How concerned are you about the offensive line? Seems like they were getting beat a lot. Shady McCoy looked awesome to me. Want to know your guys' thoughts on how he looked in play. So starting with Shady, I thought he looked excellent. Uh, That one outside zone play where he just kind of cut suddenly upfield, and I think he kind of was anticipating the whole... He didn't, wasn't really looking at the hole, but then just burst through it. I thought that was a really nice look. He looks a little bit explosive. Uh, he looks more than capable of, of being a really solid contributor on this football team, and, and hopefully that you know he can, can sus- sustain this for 17 weeks. Uh, on the offensive line, there's some legitimate le- reasons to be concerned. I don't, think, I don't think Eric Fisher had that great of a game. Uh, I thought Andrew Wiley had some rough snaps as well. I didn't like seeing Pat get hit as 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 much as he did when the when the Jaguars were getting pressure on them. They made it count, but 
It should also be noted this is one of the better defensive lines that this team's going to see this season. I think the offensive line just needs time to gel. I really and I really want to believe that. I hope that I'm not going to be too late to decide that there is a talent deficiency, but it didn't look like Mitchell Schwartz or Eric Fisher or even LDT, who and we all know all these guys are talented, played particularly well either. It seemed as a whole the offensive line just wasn't ready to stop the Jaguars as a whole. So you're just hoping that it's a first-game thing, the Jaguars defense being super pumped up, new offensive line, all these guys playing against each other, with each other kind of for the first time in real action. You're hoping that's what led to some of these pressures because it wasn't good. It did not look like Patrick Mahomes was having a good time there leading up to and then right after he kind of got his ankle rolled up on. You saw the second half. They entirely changed what they were doing from an offensive standpoint in terms of getting the ball out quickly. Mahomes had his time to throw was down to about 2.4 seconds from an average of 2.9 last year. So that's a big difference right there. And I think most of that came in the second half. So the offensive line was not that great. You hope it gets better the more they play with each other. And I'm still saying about LaShawn McCoy is going to be the starting, the 1A running back by week four. He looks like a better runner than Damian Williams. Damian Williams looks better suited to be kind of his spell back that you try to use his speed, one cut and go upfield. He does not seem to have the vision or just the natural running ability between the tackles that LaShawn McCoy has. LaShawn McCoy got to run against the light box for the first time in forever. And my man looked like he'd been like set free. I mean, he he was Antonio Brown after he got released, running around in his backyard, flapping his wings there, getting to run behind this offensive line in this scheme. I, I do think that the offensive line needs needs some work. It needs some serious work. There are some serious concerns about it. But again, this is the best pass rush that they're probably going to face all year long. So if it cleans up next week, it may just be a simple thing of a juiced, really good pass rush week one against a pretty good offensive line. Derek Vreeland asks, what happened to Frank Clark on Sunday? Was he double teamed or what? Frank Clark saw a lot of extra attention from tight ends, from running backs. If the one tech was to his side, the offensive guard was more than willing to take a more vertical drop, even slightly 45 degree angle to make sure that Frank Clark's not coming with an inside power move. They were very aware that Frank Clark had a massive mismatch on a first time starting left tackle in the NFL. You would like to see him do a little bit more than what he did, but he did force three holds. I believe two of them were on passing plays. He looked good in the run game. He looked strong. He was holding up well on the edge. It's going to be maybe another week. Maybe next week, maybe the Raiders give, I believe it's going to be Colton Miller a ton of help against them too, but he's making an impact on the game, even if it's not showing up in the stat sheet. You just hope that you start to see these pressures or this extra attention getting convert to sacks as teams can't afford to send so many extra blockers at him. For sure. And Alex Okafor has to win on the opposite side when they're giving Frank Clark this much attention. Like, he got one-on-one reps a lot of the game. He also drew a couple holding penalties. So it wasn't like he was bad necessarily, but you want to see a little more out of him on the other side there. And then, yeah, uh, the Jaguars also tried to run a lot of misdirection, a lot of screens, a lot of things like that to his side to kind of make him think twice when he got free or when he got by the left tackle. There was a couple times they actually beat the left tackle 
and he beat him so quickly that he thought maybe it was a screen and he froze for a second and then had to <laughs> and then had to diagnose and react to the play. So I do think that there was a concerted effort to try and take him out of the game that way. We'll see what the Raiders do. I actually think he did a pretty good job diagnosing some of the stuff that they're trying to throw at him too. One of the plays in particular, he diagnosed a screen street screen extremely quickly made a play on the tack on the on the runner but just couldn't finish it so like i think there was some good things and some positive indicators in there too as well in that regard keith mclean 78 how many thrown punches does it take before a guy is flagged or ejected i counted about five or six attempts by a couple different jags only jack got flagged i you know (laughs) what this this jaguars team likes to talk they will talk and talk and talk. They got 40 points hung on them, and they were still talking. That takes a special blend of arrogance to keep yapping at that level. I'm glad the Chiefs put it on them as bad as they did. I I, I was happy to see it. More guys should have been kicked out. Fine, whatever. Leave them in the game. They still got beat up on it anyway. There's something with the Jaguars. Last year, you had Telvin Smith talking trash leading up to the game. During the game, he's taking extra shots at people, extra little shoves anytime he can after the whistle. The very first play of this game, Chiefs get some positive yards. Miles Jack walks by, smacks the ball to Tyree Kill's hands. Why? I don't know. Miles Jack hasn't really been a guy like that before. Then all of a sudden for this game, the man completely lost his marbles because he was getting beat left and right and then started throwing punches because Sammy Watkins walked over him like he wasn't even standing there. I'm not sure what was going on there. Jalen Ramsey flirts with getting ejected every game he plays in, and I I like it. You've got to be careful about throwing punches, especially towards the head. I like the fire he plays with it, but you got to learn to control it, and nobody on this Jaguars team can control their emotions. Not a single one of them can keep anybody else under control. It's wild. The Jags got boat raced again by the Chiefs, and it could have been so much worse for these chumps. Mahomes played injured for two-thirds of the game. Tyreek Hill played half a quarter, and they still, still dropped 40 points on him. Like, Mahomes was historic for a while he had 200 plus yards in the first quarter it was like playing madden on easy mode like the they were just running them ragged and it could have been worse these guys were mad that they've been stealing people's lunch monies all year and then someone bigger than them came and grabbed it and then they got upset finally like it was just it was adorable The Chiefs have scored 35 points per game on them the last two meetings, and these guys are supposed to be the best defense in the National Football League. The Jaguars allowed 15.7 points per game at home last year. That that was phenomenal. Did the Chiefs get that in the first quarter? The Chiefs got that in the first quarter. Yawn. Chump. Chump change. Stealing. It was stealing. All right, Ryzen Mahomes asks, why did Reggie Raglan not play yesterday? Did you, you think he could possibly be a piece used in a trade for a cornerback? If so, who do you think they might be looking at? Uh, you know, I don't know if he could really bring back anything of value as a as part of a trade for like a cornerback. I think if you're trading Reggie Raglan, it's probably for a late day three pick of some kind. But I 
I do wonder if a Reggie Ragland trade isn't in play, honestly. Uh, you know, if he's not going to be active, then there's no reason for him not to or for him to be on this football team. And if you're not playing why he's not playing is if you're not going to be a special teamer, then your value as a linebacker is really diminished if you are not one of, you know, your starting linebacker groups or part of the rotation. The only real reason to keep Ragland around at this point, since he's not playing special teams or the starting Sam linebacker, is going to be as a backup Mike. And it seems like Ben Neiman might already have that role locked up and fulfill the job as a special teamer. So I'm not sure what Ragland provides to the team. So yeah, if you can find a team that needs him, they needs a thumping linebacker in the interior, by all means, trade him if you're getting value for him. I'm just not sure he's going to provide enough value to be worth anything that helps at cornerback because the Chiefs have kind of already made their middle-of-the-pack cornerback move with Morris Claiborne. I don't think Ragland does anything if you're trying to get a top-end corner. Yeah, I don't think so either. I I think you'd have to be looking for a specifically 3-4 team. Um, If you're doing that, I know a team that's looking to get rid of some players that's not playing... Raquan McMillan in Miami, he Woo! can go ahead and come on over here. I can lose one of my sons and get another one of my linebacker sons in here. I loved Raquan McMillan coming out. Uh, he's not starting for Miami. So let's just make a like-for-like like trade there and see if they can get something out of him. I don't think that they can get a cornerback of any real value for Reggie Ragland. He was inactive this week, so I just I just don't think so. 50 man 50 bear pig asks how many catches do you expect for McCole Hardman next week with a week of preparation for no Tyreek Hill I'm still gonna go less than three probably about three I think three is the sweet spot here two to three because I don't think he does enough special he's not good enough at anything but being fast yet to really take advantage of what he's getting now it's gonna be the Raiders Maybe their secondary can't keep up with the speed, and that's going to result in multiple catches. That's a possibility. But if you're just looking at his skill set and how he was utilized against Jacksonville, how what he's been doing so far for the Chiefs, it's running vertical routes, catching screens. At this point in time, if you're throwing screens, they need to be going to Sammy Watkins as much as they're going to McCole Hardman. You're still going to get the running backs. You're going to get other wide receivers involved. I don't think Hardman's doing enough downfield to really warrant enough targets to get much more than th- three catches i i'm gonna say i'm gonna say four i think they're gonna try and get him involved in the screen game and i do think that they can beat uh oakland's corners a little bit more uh, mccall hardman after he came into the game was basically just running vertical routes and running jalen ramsey as far out of the play as possible like trying to wear him out almost so i do think that there will be a more purposeful game plan for McCole Hardman this week I think they're going to try and get him the ball I think they're going to try and use that speed and space and try and get the Raiders to kind of sit on underneath routes a little bit and then try and exploit those a couple of times with McCole Hardman running vertical yeah I think you'll get involved you'll see him get involved with some of the touch pass kind of stuff some of the slip maybe a slip screen or a bubble I mean he got a bubble and dropped it this week so you're gonna you're gonna see a lot of you know attempts behind the line of scrimmage and he's going to be stretching teams vertically he's got a long way to go as a route runner he's got a lot of work to do to kind of develop that route tree 
They're going to utilize the speed trait, and they're going to try to manufacture some touches. That's kind of what we've been, you know, staying this entire time. That's really what his role is in 2019, and hopefully he can develop as the season goes on. I would have liked to see him get more time to develop. Tyreek's situation has kind of thrust him into more of a necessity. D. Johnston 29 asks, with the lack of cornerback contracts on the books for 2020, what's the percentage chance that the Chiefs double dip on cornerback in twenty in the 2020 draft? I, I am still a firm believer that the Chiefs are going to trade a high asset for a cornerback, but if this roster with Mo Claiborne is what the Chiefs end the season with, there is a 100% chance <laughs> that the Chiefs double dip in a very good cornerback class. Guys, it's getting better by the week. Paulson Adebo looks great over in Stanford. I know Matty has talked about him a little bit, but he has started the season like a house on fire. Christian Fulton looks great. There's a bunch of players that are playing up to their billing this isn't going to be like last year where you wonder if there's going to be a corner that goes early and you know, you've know you got maybe a guy in the first round and some early seconds. There's going to be a ton of guys going early in the first round. I think that there's going to be a lot of talent that's available in the second and the third rounds as well. They would 100% double dip with the current crop of corners. Given their situation that they're in right now, I think the Chiefs have to use value they have to use some kind of equity to get two cornerbacks at least going in the next year but rather than double dipping in the draft i think they're going to make a trade at the deadline this year or a trade in the off next offseason or even a high price of bringing someone in there's going to be two new cornerbacks and i'm with craig one of them is going to be a high valued player not via the draft and i think they still need the draft one they need two fresh starting corners going into next year that aren't currently on this roster at the bare minimum, I love this draft class. Next year's cornerback free agent class is very strong. There's options out there. I think if you're sitting at the end of the first round right now, you can still target Bryce Hall, Paulson Adebo, Christian Fulton. One of those guys is likely to be there towards the end of the first round. You get your hands on one of them if you achieve at all costs. Yeah, the uh, the 33 years took a hit this week. Uh, with the victory in Tampa Bay. There's still hope. There's still plenty of time for the ship to get uh, astray and, and this team to tank. There's still hope, guys, but early on, maybe we, we might we might be staring at the sub-49ers instead of the 33ers pretty quick here, but we're holding out hope. I do think that uh, the Chiefs need probably to... They're, they're, they're going to invest insane amounts of of capital and and cash into this cornerback position. I wouldn't be surprised to see him double dip in the in the cornerback draft. But yeah, they're they're going to have to make massive overhauls of that cornerback room uh, because of how many people aren't under contract. Arrowhead Scott asks, "Who will get cut for DeAnthony Thomas?" I hope. I don't want to say I hope, but I, I, I think Tremont Smith's the one that makes the most sense. I, I wouldn't really be particularly thrilled if uh, if they're going to keep both Smith and DeAnthony Thomas for Dave Tobe. I don't have a line on who else it could be. Tremont Smith makes the most sense. I am worried that Dave Tobe sees them as two entirely different players. One is a gunner. One is a returner who didn't do any returning. 
So that does concern me a little bit. But since Tremont Smith was not the kick returner and it was McCall Hardman, I have to think he's the first person to go when they need someone back like Anthony Thomas. Yeah, it it's Tremont. We don't need to belabor the point. It, it, I think it's Tremont. All right, Corey04 asks, did Miles Jack set CBS's TV truck on fire after getting ejected? <laughs> I liked I like to believe that that's what happened. <laughs> I mean, as as big of a tantrum as he was throwing, I wouldn't be surprised. Maybe he thought he wasn't going to get suspended or fined if there wasn't record of of the game actually happening. And maybe he thought setting it on fire was a way to to avoid that. Uh, Brandon four twenty two asks: The Patriots seem to have a front loaded defense or have a loaded defense now in offense with an with a ridiculously easy schedule. You're not wrong there. I'm not bitter. AFC East, get your stuff together. Chiefs defense looks improved but has a ways to go. Offensive line was not great. Hill is injured. Mahomes is a superhero, I know. But talk about how these uh, how they match up, please. I think it's early to get too deep into it. But for the most part, you're looking at the same thing as last year. The Chiefs will probably not be able to stop the Patriots consistently enough. They won't get run over this year. I think that's one thing you can take away from this Jags game is they will not let them, their defense will not get bullied up and down the field. They will fight. They will force Tom Brady to make more passes than he did in the AFC Championship game last year. You hope they're more difficult passes. You hope you get an extra stop or two out of it. But I don't think the Patriots defense is set up to stop the Chiefs offense either. Even with the struggles along the offensive line, when you take Trey Flowers, who was by far their most talented pass rusher away, then you're relying purely on scheme, and it's going to work some, but there are times where Trey Flowers has to be accounted for. The Patriots don't have that kind of player anymore, so it's going to be another shootout. Whatever team can get that one extra stop wins. I have a little more faith in the Chiefs' defense this year to hold up to the rushing attack of the Patriots, which really hurt them last year. Yeah, for sure. I don't think the Patriots can kill off the game with the run. I think they've got to do it through the air, which they have the weapons right now to do so i i do think that antonio brown is probably going to fall in line there in new england that's where he wants to be and man you give a kid candy he's going to be happy wins are candy so he he's going to be happy there i wonder if josh gordon is going to make it through the season he appears to maybe be on the straight and narrow right now but that's part of what scares a lot of people in this league is that they have Julian Edelman, they have Antonio Brown, and Josh Gordon. If you take Josh Gordon out of that equation, it's still a very good receiving core, but it's not necessarily as damaging as it would be with all three of those guys. By the time the Chiefs get there in December, who knows what situation the Chiefs' defense is going to be, what cornerbacks the Chiefs are going to have, or what wide receivers the Patriots are going to be fielding. There's a lot of football game or football left. Like there's 15 games left, you know, for all these teams in the regular season. One thing I think you need to remember is Tom Brady is still 42. And the Tom Brady you're seeing in September is going to have a hard time being the Tom Brady that you see in December, January. It's just even last year he looked a lot sharper in the beginning of the year. The cold weather, the body blows, everything. It takes longer for you to recover as you get older. So I I don't know if Tom Brady will be able to utilize all the weapons that he has at his, disposable, at, his, at his disposal the same way he is right now. So let's just see how things go here. 
Let's see what happens to Tom. He's still the engine that makes that thing go. N. Russell OA asks, on a scale of paper cut to nuclear Armageddon, how bad is the quarter cornerback situation? And also, could Matty Lane play corner? Um, I, I'd say the fallout three years after Chernobyl, wherever wherever that ranks on that scale, maybe just below the top end there. Yeah, not bad. Uh, let's, let's, Charvarius Ward was really, really bad. Really, really bad this week. Uh, Bashad Breland was pretty good all game long. He did give up two catches at the end of the game that uh, most Chiefs fans haven't seen yet. Uh, deep touchdown and one in front of him a little bit right before that. Kendall Fuller didn't really get his head around, but he was pretty sticky in coverage. But it, it just needs to be better. Everybody needs to be better. I've been saying throughout this offseason that all three of these players need to play above and beyond what their capability or what their average has been throughout the course of their NFL careers. So far, not off to a great start. Maybe you could argue Bashad Breland is, but Kendall Fuller isn't so much, and Charvarius Ward definitely isn't. They need more guys in that room. I'll tell you what, guys. I'm on the verge of willing to start Rashad Fenton for Charvarius Ward just to see. I just want to see because, honestly, it, it can't get that much worse than Charvarius Ward. At least give the young kid a little bit of run. He's better in his own scheme than I think Charvarius Ward is. I, I would like to see that if, uh, if Steve Spagnuolo has the opportunity. Have you guys seen that somewhat older movie now, The Day After Tomorrow? Where the superstorm uh, comes in, I like that you think that's an old movie. freezes that essentially half of the world. That is the Chiefs' cornerback situation. Half the field, half the cornerbacks on half the field, aka the left side, are frozen in place because they are free yards anytime an offense wants it. And we saw that bear out time and time again with Traverius Ward unable to stick with Chris Conley numerous times. You hope he starts to pick it up. You hope he gets the defense and things get a little bit better. At this point in time, it doesn't look great. Your top cornerback, Kendall Fuller, the people, the guy that most people have hope for, struggles to play the ball, especially over his shoulder downfield, which he's not going to be doing that a ton in this defense, but you did see it come up again when he got beat for a touchdown when he was in good position, just couldn't locate the ball. These are things that matter. You, you do have to play the ball as a cornerback. Fuller, Ward have had trouble playing the ball over the shoulder, now Ward's having trouble even staying in position to play the ball. You hope Morris Claiborne solves some of that issue, but how good is Morris Claiborne? It seems like the Chiefs are gearing up to have a team full of cornerback fringe, cornerback two, cornerback three types, and I don't know if that's going to be good enough to get to the Super Bowl and win it. Playing the ball is part of playing corner. Mm-hmm. And the Chiefs haven't played the ball well. They don't have guys that play the ball well and they need to improve the talent level of the cornerback position. Mo Claiborne's a great help, which I think says more about the cornerback position than anything. They probably need to add a piece at the trade deadline, and maybe I think Craig brought up maybe like the, the Lions are, are trending to be terrible and their schedule's really tough. Maybe I'll, I'll get there. I'll get there. Yeah, yeah. sorry. I'm not trying to steal your thunder there. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. Chief, Chief Boy RDG asks if Brett Veach goes this season without addressing the cornerback position and the Chiefs lose to the Patriots again to due to the secondary getting torch, 
is G is Brett Veach's job safe, Matthew? It can't be if that's the case. Like if the cornerback position is the issue again, and there has been no value put into it, there hasn't been any equity brought in at the position besides unwanted players by other teams in the NFL. I don't see how you can't start to question Brett Veach's method of not valuing the cornerback position, thinking that any other player in the league can play cornerback, when in reality that's kind of what you do for guard or running back, positions that Brett Veach has spent real value on numerous times. I think if you get to the AFC Championship game again, if you lose to the Pats or in the Super Bowl because of the cornerback play, you get Veach one more year, but he has to fix it. He has to go out of his way to fix it. That officially puts him on the hot seat if that is the sole issue. And it looks like at this point in time, they're on their way there without making a move. Yeah, I I mean, it's worth bringing up. Any GM that has the MVP quarterback, especially on his rookie deal, that doesn't make it to the Super Bowl has to be questioned why they're doing the things that they're doing. And when you can point to a specific position as being the real deficiency in two Super Bowl opportunities, basically, then yeah, you you have to start questioning that. Now, like we said, it's a good free agent cornerback class. It is a great cornerback class in the draft. These are guys that can come in and fix things, and I do believe that Brett Veach is going to try and acquire these guys because he simply has to. They just don't have them on the roster right now. They don't have guys under contract. But if he wastes another year, then yeah, of course, he he would be a little bit on the hot seat there. Yeah, I I think he deserves a lot of criticism, criticism if this season falls because of the cornerback position because a bunch of guys sitting around podcasting every week have been banging the drum for the cornerback position and a lot of other people have too if we're the ones that are calling it out i'm sure that people in the building are stressed about it too so mm-hmm. they've got to address it i mean they've 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 got to address it this offseason whether or not they win the super bowl i hope they do and i hope the cornerback position isn't an issue but even then don't make it a don't make it an issue next year david a david made asks uh, apparently Damian Wilson is a starter. Do you guys approve of that decision? I, I like David or Damian Wilson this week. Uh, I don't like him in some of the nickel looks that are a little more obvious passing situations. I thought we would see Darren Lee in that role, but he was kind of hidden in a very shallow zone, kind of playing in the center of the field, and he was he didn't have to do too terribly much, but. My goodness, guys, Damian Wilson flies around more than arguably anybody not named Juan Thornhill this week. Damian Wilson was giving backside pursuit on bubbles with easy tackles that were going to be well over well before he got there, and he's sprinting across the field. He sprinted down the field on that uh, that little bit of miscommunication between Bashad Breeland and Kendall Fuller on a long 35-yard pass that it took a little while to bring down. Damian Wilson was the first guy there after Fuller, and he was way back up in the box. I love the energy he plays with. I love what he brings to the squad as far as intensity and aggression. I was I was very pleased to see him this week. I just want to see a little more Darren Lee in coverage. I like that he's the starting Sam now 
I like that they have gone back to that. That's a spot that fits him a lot better than the weak side linebacker in the base defense. I don't even mind using him on the early down nickel. If you want to put him in on first and 10 or even a second and five nickel formation, I'm fine with that. I don't like that he is the pure nickel linebacker with Anthony Hitchens in there on coverage reps. I think there's a few times where you saw Hitchens and Wilson struggled with their speed to get to the sideline. Leonard Fournette, who isn't the quickest or shiftiest of running backs, was able to beat them to the sideline a few times, whether it was on a run or a pass. So the lack of speed when you have Wilson and Hitchens out there is something that I'm watching going forward, especially in coverage. I think teams will eventually start to take a little bit more advantage of that than the Jaguars did. But I like him as a player, and I like that they're finding ways to use him. You just got to balance his energy and his smarts and the way he plays with Darren Lee's just better athleticism coverage skills. Yeah, I like Damian Wilson. I don't like Damian Wilson playing at the expense of Darren Lee in some situations. I totally agree. That's kind of where I sit. I want to see more Darren Lee. I'm a big Darren Lee fan. Irish KC Chief asks, who was overwhelming and who was underwhelming? Overwhelming, I think LaShawn McCoy getting the opportunities that he did and, and having a lot of success with him. I think he averaged eight yards per carry. And he, he like to what Craig said, he ran into light boxes. He looked really good. Uh, underwhelming, I didn't see much of Chris Jones. I need to go back and watch a little bit more, but I really didn't see much of Chris Jones that I was overly excited about. I didn't think he did much this week. I think for overwhelming, I have to go with Sammy Watkins. I think it's low-hanging fruit, but he was that good. When he got the ball, he was making guys miss consistently. He was beating some of the best cornerbacks on his routes consistently. His hands looked really good. He essentially looked like the player coming out of Clemson that had him as one of the highest-graded rated wide receivers in the last decade when he was coming out. So I'm going to go him overwhelming, underwhelming, I'm going to say Tyron Matthew, and not that he was poor by any stretch of the imagination. And I do need to see the All-22 a little bit more before I you know, say that he could have done even better. I'm not saying he could have done better. He just didn't make any splash plays. And I kind of thought the whole goal was to put him into situations to make splash plays and really get after it. And he just looked like he was out there being a leader, doing his job. And it could just be the great game script. It could have been just what happened this game, and I'm sure that was it but I did expect to see a, at least a flash or two of him a little bit bigger. Yeah, for me, overwhelming, Juan Thornhill. The game was not too big for Juan Thornhill this week. Uh, he was in position. He got downhill very quickly. There is a play that I'm going to highlight in my post this week that involves Bashad Breland and Juan Thornhill. Juan closes on it so quick. Juan looked great out there he looked like the player that we all loved when he was coming out of the draft the guy that we were okay with drafting in round one we had such a high grade on him because of this level of play it it was good and he most importantly was organizing things on the back end he was in the right spots he was directing traffic a little bit that was great to see and then underwhelming I'm not going to go with the low-hanging Charvarius Ward. We've, we've talked about him enough. I'm going to say Andrew Wiley. Andrew Wiley got beat a little too quickly, too regularly this week. We like Andrew Wiley. We want to see him hold down that left guard spot and really kind of anchor well. This was a good defensive line, but we expected to see a little bit more from Wiley this week, and he, he struggled a little bit. 
He's still better than Cam Irving, though. Uh, <laughs> KC Royals 5280 asks, would you rather have the running back situation we have this year or Kareem Hunt? If I get Kareem Hunt with Damian Williams and then Darwin Thompson behind him, because that's essentially where the Chiefs were headed if they had kept him last year for the most part, then I'm obviously going to take that because Kareem Hunt's a very good football player. But if you're going to involve the off-the-field stuff, my lack of trust in Kareem Hunt to show up, to be in shape, and to be ready to play football, I'll take what we have now for the simple fact that even if Kareem Hunt's not in legal trouble, I don't know when he shows up if he's going to be in shape. Is he going to start pouting because he wants the football more? I think there were some clips last year of him on the sideline, just not quite happy. He didn't get as many carries as maybe he thought he should. Little stuff like that. I don't need to put up with that if I'm the Chiefs and I have Patrick Mahomes. I'm going to bring in the guys that want to be here, that want to play for this system. And I am and I feel like LaShawn McCoy, Damian Williams, Darwin Thompson, Daryl Williams, all these guys want to be here and they understand that. They understand they aren't the guy. I'm not sure Kareem Hunt gets that. And there's been too many times in his career going back to college where he showed up out of shape. There's just no reason to put up with that if I can't ensure that he's going to be ready to go. Yeah, I 100% agree with everything Matt said there. So I'm not going to add too much on there other than if you haven't heard LaShawn McCoy talking about this offense after the game, he was interviewed on the field by James Palmer. LaShawn McCoy is ecstatic to be here. Like The little bit that he's been exposed to in the playbook and to Patrick Mahomes, he is absolutely thrilled to be here. He's thrilled to be in this offense. And he, he I think he's smitten already with the Kansas City Chiefs offense. He's barely been here. So... I, that should get you excited as Chiefs fans to have a guy that's willing, that's ready to buy in and produce at the level that he did this week with just a minimal amount of involvement thus far in the game planning. Smitten, he says. And Smitten. honestly, another another piece of this, I would rather churn through one-year contracts and low investment running backs than come face a decision to pay Kareem Hunt, which the Chiefs would be facing here relatively quick. So let's just say that there's no decision uh, you don't pay running backs correct that's a, I, I could see the chiefs doing it though that's just where i'm like eh. okay last question b tx chief should we be peeking at the dolphins for some cornerback help um i don't know what they have really to entice the chiefs outside of Xavier howard and the regime that's tanking right now is the regime that extended Xavier Howard. So I don't think I think he's part of their plans. Eric Rowe, Johnson Bottomasi, they have that guy already. So I I don't know. It depends on what the cost is. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't hate adding depth uh, and adding a functional quarterback as corner as depth, but like as far as moving the needle, not, I don't think these guys are really moving the needle per se. I kind of spoiled this a little bit earlier when I talked about the different teams that the Chiefs could go look at for quarterback. But speaking specifically to the Dolphins, I think the wild card might be Minka Fitzpatrick. The Miami Herald kind of came out and said he might have been, they kind of hinted that he might have been one of the guys that was asking out of Miami after their game. While he's not a cornerback per se, he plays a lot of slot cornerback going back to Alabama, even with the Dolphins last year and this year. He makes the team better. You still have to figure out what you do with a team that has Rashad Fenton, Kendall Fuller, who both played, 
slot cornerback with Minka Fitzpatrick, but you're upping the talent level of guys that can cover. You take Minka Fitzpatrick, put him in a zone-heavy team, a very zone-heavy team. You can make that work. You just got to find someone comfortable to play on the outside. And Kendall Fuller, Fenton, anybody cannot be worse than what they fielded against the Jaguars. So he's the kind of guy that I think you would look at more than Xavier Howard, who, like Kent said, they definitely just extended the same regime. Just paid him, has come out and said, he's a guy that we want to build around more or less. Yeah, and Minka's really the the only guy that I think could get out that would be of real, real interest. But Kent kind of teased it earlier. I'm watching the Lions, man. I am watching the Detroit Lions. They just tied the Cardinals. That was a bad game. Poor coaching decisions. The next the Lions next game next games are the Chargers, the Eagles, the Chiefs, the Packers, and the Vikings. By week six. It's highly possible that the Lions will be 0-5-1. Matt Patricia will be on the hot seat if that happens, especially since some of those games might be big blowouts. And if that's the case, Matt Patricia's already kind of on the hot seat. He's worn out his welcome with a lot of the Detroit people, you know, media, his GM, and things like that. If he's gone... I'm calling about Darius Slay in week six, week seven. I'm finding out what big play Slay, if they can go and get him, you know, for maybe that early pick before the trade deadline. So I'm keeping a, a sharp eye on Detroit there. All right, that's going to do it for this week's episode uh, of the Mailbag. We'll be back later this week to preview the Chiefs and the Raiders. Talk to you later. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.